0: Good evening my renegades, my name is Sarah Jane and I'm pissed off so we're doing a a Renegade Times episode so we're just gonna go right into it because I'm very upset and you know links will be in the description on how to reach me so yeah. So I'm not going to have a very structured um, segment today. It's not going to be just like politics, whatever news, and then world news. We're just going to kind of have uh, different stories here and there that I have kind of come across. And this one is right out of Scotland. And... The reason why it pissed me off is because they want to teach kids with special needs about sex education, but they want to involve vibrators in order for them to come to a sexual climax. So, um, I'm going to play this video. It's, it's a really interesting minutes.
1: article actually about vibrators.
0: Sorry. It's 15 minutes. And um, it will explain a whole lot more than I ever can about what's going on in Scotland right now.
1: There's a really interesting article actually about vibration um, and supporting complex learners using vibration to come to that point of orgasm.
2: Hello. Well, if I were an unscrupulous purveyor of clickbait, this video would have been entitled Head Teacher in Scotland Wants to Provide Vibrators to Pupils. But that wouldn't quite be fair but it's not that far off let's see now education scotland have blocked us on twitter but i became aware that they were running a training session online as a webinar about uh, sex education resources for pupils with special needs so i thought that'd be interesting because the rshp.scot website has included images for use uh, with pupils with special needs, but they're password protected. They claim it's because you know they don't want people seeing them and misinterpreting them or, or whatever. And then that's not actually the reason. I mean, if, if you've got pupils looking for sort of sexually explicit material online, they're not going to go to the rshp.scot website, are they? There's plenty of other places they could go. And then the real reason they protect them with a the password is to stop people like me, or maybe more likely me, uh, looking at them publicizing them and then uh, actually making the public aware of what's being used uh, in schools But anyway, these things are password presented uh, p- uh, protected So there's this training going on I thought I'll sign up and go along and just see if we we'll learn a bit more about the program designed for special needs uh, pupils So I signed up uh, with my real name and they sent me the link for it but When I tried to go to it, I clicked on the link Microsoft Teams into the waiting room uh, they're aware that you're waiting, and then access denied. I tried about six times. Okay? They just wouldn't let me in, basically. And I'm pretty sure it's, they recognize my name, and they want to keep what's going on in schools uh, secret from me. Which is completely wrong. No matter how much of a critic I am of what's going on in schools in this regard, they should not be trying to keep it secret. They should be open about the training that's been provided to teachers. So, not one to despair. Instead of trying on my PC, I tried on my phone, I clicked the link on my phone, and lo and behold, it works. I was uh, in. Now, um, I'm going to play some recordings of what went on, maybe Education Scotland, they I'll say, oh, that's not right, that's not right, you shouldn't be sharing that, that's confidential. It's not confidential, this is training to teachers. Okay, that's in the public interest. People need to know how teachers have been trained and what the thinking is that's been applied in schools in Scotland. So, here we go.
1: Thank you Colin. Good afternoon everybody. I'm delighted to be here. My name is Jackie Urquhart. I'm the head teacher at Boslin School. It's not easy and I was happy in my little comfort zone doing my body and consent, but actually having worked with Colin in this group round about the packs um, and really thinking about the importance of this pack, it was really important for us then to pilot it.
2: So the Colin mentioned there is Colin Morrison, the boss man of the RSHP.Scot Resources. He's the one who wrote a PhD thesis that included discussion of breaking down the barriers between childhood and sexuality. There'll be a link to that video in the description and at the end of the
0: Okay, the one thing that I want to say real quick, I didn't plan on interrupting uh, Richard Lucas uh, with his uh, video, but the thing is, is that um, this is a video. Um, I might, like, put a link in somewhere uh for you guys to watch it yourself but this is a lesson plan breakdown what they're doing is they want to teach kids how to masturbate and they have a masturbation pack so they have the starter pack for kids to learn how to pleasure themselves Okay, that's evil. I can't stand that. And they want to break down the barriers between sexuality and childhood? Leave that shit alone. Leave it alone. Kids will come to know their own sexuality by themselves. If you break down that wall you're taking their innocence, and you're also grooming them you're a fucking pedophile whoever did this is a fucking pedophile anyway let's go
2: with this one so with his philosophy uh like that he's at the center of producing sex education resources whereas myself i'm having to sneak in under the radar because i'm sort of a pariah anyway on we go in school the messages around about masturbation i think are quite
1: different we want to redirect, we want to try and keep our kids and our young people busy. Whereas at home, it's got a very different outcome, doesn't it? And the whole pack will take you through this bit about understanding complex learners and their right to have pleasure in their life.
2: So you can see the message here is basically masturbation should be discouraged at school, but encouraged at home. Now, when it comes to masturbation, there's a spectrum of opinions. Uh, roughly speaking, you know, Catholic teaching is that it's just wrong. Uh, it's not something that's helpful at all. Uh, quite a few Muslims have the same view. Some people see it as more uh, ambiguous. Uh, maybe you know the fantasy element, the lust elements to it might be problematic. Some people see it as morally neutral. Uh, some people see it as having practical uh, dangers in terms of addiction, um, distorting sexuality, etc. And some people just see it as a completely good thing. And the SNP view it as a completely good thing. So something that should be you know, encouraged in schools to pupils. Whereas other people might think maybe it's something that should be discouraged or there should be a more balanced approach to it. Now notice here, this head teacher says the pupils have got a right to have pleasure in their life. I mean, what sort of person would read that? The right to have pleasure in their life and interpret that to mean sexual stimulation. But it's a classic case of human rights language. Just take it to mean whatever you want it to mean. So if pupils have a right to sexual pleasure, if everyone has a right to sexual pleasure, I mean what next? We're gonna end up with sort of state funded prostitutes for pupils whose rights are not being fulfilled? Who knows? Let's carry on. So for for me we, we
1: sat down and we looked at the questions around about what are the important questions to answer about home and school and that's what this little chart's about. So we think, let's talk to our families about the stimulus that leads to arousal. Let's talk to them about where and when that can be accessed. Can we reduce or remove it at certain times of the day? Does it matter who's interacting with that young person? And I think, like you, I have staff who work with certain young people, be it gender or attraction, that can cause cause arousal while other staff's touch doesn't. How do we redirect? When we need to, can we alter the intensity of the arousing factors? So things like massage, if it's getting arousing, can we change the type of massage and the type of pressure that we're giving so that it's not as arousing?
2: A massage, this is obviously talking about staff massaging pupils. Now, a couple of years ago, I went to the Scottish Learning Festival and there are a couple of stalls with...
0: The staff massaging pupils. That's, that's what I heard. So you're encouraging teachers to molest kids with special needs in order to quote teach them how to have pleasure and this is okay in Scotland like this this is okay this is this is good this is inclusive this is exactly what You know, kids who have complex learning disabilities need in order to have pleasure. Teachers are now encouraged to literally fucking molest their pupils in order to fucking teach them how to masturbate. If we go any farther backwards than we have now. I don't know what to call reality anymore.
2: The organization's business is basically promoting massage within schools, getting pupils to massage each other, uh, etc. And I said the some, I didn't really think that was right. I think massage is just too intimate. It's crossing a boundary. It shouldn't really be crossed in the educational setting that was my view but here we're talking about massage of pupils by staff and the head teacher is saying some massage results in sexual stimulation of pupils okay uh, that's a problem she thinks so what do they do about it she suggests they should change the type of massage to make it less arousing less arousing I think no Just stop it completely. Do not do that at all. I would suggest maybe this is the reason why you don't have massage in the first place.
0: Okay. There's a reason why teachers are not allowed to fucking touch their students. And there is also a reason why students should never touch their teachers. They're not allowed to touch them at all. Back in my day, I graduated in 2009. Alright have never been inappropriately touched by a teacher, thank God. Every single one of my teachers was very respectful, and they knew all the rules. They did not touch me. They didn't touch anybody around me, anything like that. So, the fact that they're teaching they're they're actually trying to teach teachers in order to... to fucking massage the the genitalia of their students in order to teach them how to fucking masturbate. Uh, listen. Stop. That's called molestation. Stop. Just stop. A child can learn that stuff on their own. Okay? Doesn't have to be through any type of outward stimuli whether forced or unforced okay usually with a child yes it would be forced because the child's not allowed to fucking consent so keep your hands off these fucking children
2: but suggesting that you just sort of change the technique to make it less arousing i mean what is going on here
1: How do we establish a masturbation routine? So here sits very firmly in home and with our pilot family thinking about this complex learner is aroused and is trying to masturbate. We have to be able to establish a routine for that young person at home where they understand the context of when it's okay and the routine of how it's okay. So she
2: said there's a need to establish basically a masturbation routine at home and it's the school's job to help parents of these children to establish that routine.
1: Again, Flo Longhorn's book, if any of us who've been in special schools for a long time, go back to the lovely words of Flo, who speaks about um, this resource of providing support to actually get to orgasm, and there's a really interesting article actually about vibration um, and supporting complex learners using vibration to come to that
2: point of orgasm. So continuing the same theme, she's now talking about providing support to actually help the children, the young people, in their masturbating. And she's saying that vibration can help. She refers to this book. I had a look at the book. It's available online. There's a link in the description. I mean, it's over 20 years old. And and to be honest, it's just complete rubbish. It's got reflexology. It tells you which toe to massage for sexual problems and aromatherapy. I mean, it's just unscientific nonsense but it's also got things about massage as well and about vibration and the place of vibration in uh, in massage and in masturbation. Here's a page from the book. Uh, The use of vibration is never mentioned in a school context but it is clearly linked to masturbatory practices in the general public sitting on a vibratory cushion lying on a massage mattress that has an easy to use handset that allows the speed and intensity of the finger-like massage pulse to be controlled it's very pleasant and can lead to orgasm there are many vibratory products being used in school in institutional settings generally they're seen as providing a nice bodily experience and sensory stimulation they include mass
0: why is this the school board's responsibility to teach kids how to do stuff at home. Teachers in the school board are not fucking allowed to do that. That's... To me, I don't, I don't think it's against... I don't know. I feel like that's against the law, isn't it? Isn't that fucking against the law? I don't know. To me, it feels like it is because, of course, apparently I'm out of my time because I was never taught how to masturbate in school. And I'm glad that I never had to. Because back then we actually learned about STDs and how you're, how you're able to spread it. How you shouldn't spread it. And how to prevent from spreading it if you end up contracting it. But no, forget that. We want to teach kids how to fucking massage themselves while I molest the, the students to teach them how to fucking climax. Like, what the hell? What is going on? What is going on in Scotland? This is so fucking backwards, and it's awful.
2: Massage mass, etc., etc. It's a well-known fact that vibration can lead to sexual relief. If the above products were advertised elsewhere, in other words, not in an educational resources catalogue there will be reference to the effects on sexual tension and stress. There's been little or no mention of the vibratory effects of these products for sexual relief. However, many people who try them can feel the potential of these benefits. It may well be that these products in the future will bear reference to their use in the privacy of a room for very special people. That's the term she uses for people with learning difficulties, pupils with learning difficulties, and provide practical I'm really
0: fooling my kids
2: So what she's saying is these things is massage mass etc the vibrator already used in schools but the sexual aspect isn't mentioned but maybe in the future we will be able to be more open about it and acknowledge that that is basically what they're used for by some pupils in schools there's also this paragraph in the book uh, which you've been talking about these different devices ending on a humorous note and summers has on sale a talking vibrator that vibrates and also gives out sexual sounds of masculine groans. Not for the faint-hearted and definitely not for the classroom. Okay. Now reading that, what, what's her problem with this particular sex toy? The problem seems to be the groans. Now what we've got here, there's a whole range of things that are not strictly speaking sex toys but she's saying they vibrate and they can be used, effectively used for sexual purposes. She's then saying there's this vibrator that makes noises that would be out of order. What about all the in-between things that are specifically sex toys? That would be the obvious thing to mention at this point. But she doesn't mention them. Probably because she thought that would be too controversial. So I would suggest, following her logic, it would seem to be that providing sex stories as well to uh, pupils in school would be would meet with her uh, approval. But anyway, um, but what this is saying, and what the, uh, the head teacher in my recording is saying, is that teachers should be involved practically in the sex lives of the pupils, providing them with practical assistance in their, I don't know if you call masturbation a sex life, but anyway, but in that side of their lives. Now, again, I feel that is crossing a boundary that shouldn't be crossed. Now, a few years ago, Channel 4 and one of their terrible programs, they had this uh, former Miss Belgium or something doing sex education lessons in Britain. And part of what she wanted to do was to give out vibrators to classes. So I mean, this sort of idea is out there in the sex education uh, establishment and there's an example of it just starting to come through here.
1: And who can support this in more of a therapeutic approach? I think our families are saying we find it easier to talk to our NHS colleagues and perhaps our school colleagues. So could we bring together a kind of therapeutic group who help to establish those routines and resources and times and stimulus etc.
2: So the role of teachers is to help families establish the times for masturbation and to establish the stimulus, to provide the stimulus in some way. Right, you can imagine the sort of things that are in mind
0: there. Now, not that really judge for
2: yourselves. Do you know there's something wrong here? There's something wrong about a teacher talking about helping pupils to climax while masturbating. Now you may think these are pupils with special needs, are they a special case in this regard? Well, I'm still very uncomfortable with this approach. Now what we've got here with these learners with special needs, it's an application of the same philosophy of sex education that's promoted to all schools by the SNP. Now, special needs teachers, I'm sure a lot of what you do is great. I'm sure you often have angelic patience, they're very caring with the pupils, but I would invite you to take a step back and ask whether the approach to sex education that's embodied in this recording is the right one. And you think it isn't, I would urge you to say something about that. Speak to someone, let your concerns be known. If you're a parent of a special needs child in a special school, to be honest, I'd be very concerned about what might be going on in that school and what conversations might be going on with your child. The same as for every other child as well. Be equally concerned. Now, what I would really like to do is to sit down with someone, talk about this, debate it, uh, put forward the point of view, see where we get to. But of course, that never happens. This is Scotland. This is the debate desert. I could write to everyone involved in this, the teacher-involved Education Scotland, the RSHP.Scot resource providers, and write to them all. In fact, I've written to them, a lot of them already, I say, please, could we talk about this? Could we debate? No, they never will. They never will. So what we have to do is raise the issues with the public, take it into the political arena, because that's where it's coming from. The problem ultimately is the SNP and the weak opposition parties around them. So it is challenging at the political level. So to support us in doing that, join the Scottish Family Party right now via the link below. Right, before we go, a couple of things to mention. Coming up uh, next week on Thursday, we're involved in a protest outside the Scottish Parliament about the SNP's Transgender Guidance for Schools that says about uh, keeping secrets from parents, etc. So we're taking part in a protest. We're not organising this. We're taking part in a protest Thursday, 2nd of September, outside the Scottish Parliament, 11.30 a.m. 11.30 a.m. It would be great to see you there. And also next week, we've got some local branch meetings, Wednesday in Glasgow, Thursday in Edinburgh, and Friday in Peterhead. Keep an eye on our social media to see more information about those
0: but thanks for watching all right so with everything that he's talked about i'm not surprised this is starting in scotland because a lot of things have been happening in scotland that i haven't actually been able to talk about um i know the last time i really like talked about scotland it was um because somebody banned a worship service in a certain, uh, secular center or something like that, and it, that was a whole big mess. Uh, Scotland is a very big liberal nation, and, um, they're going to do everything they can to allow this agenda to keep going. Um, it is unfortunate because, um, I just can't stand it. I just can't. It, It's unfortunate because there are some very smart people, educators, and people high up in politics that know that this is wrong, but of course, they have to follow the agenda, don't they? The only reason that this is being pushed, though, all goes back to the elites. The elites victimized children, and now they're trying to normalize it to where kids are able to accept it themselves as normal now. It's okay for a teacher to touch you. It's okay for a stranger to come up to you and play with you and molest you and have sex with you. It's okay uh, to think that you're transgender because you were raised a tomboy instead of a girl or whatever has nothing to do with (sighs) I'm just so pissed (laughs) has nothing to do with how they consider the child's feelings because back in my day okay none of us 90s kids actually had to be taught how to fucking masturbate Alright? Let's just lay that out on the fucking table. Okay? <laughs> Y'all just knew what to do. At some point, especially when puberty hits, we start exploring our bodies. It's fine. Once you hit puberty, it's cool. Do what you gotta do. Alright? But don't, don't employ teachers and educators to touch molest and groom children into thinking that this is fucking normal to do at home because my teacher told me to. What the fuck is wrong with you? The one thing that I took away from that video there was a few things, but one of the things that really stood out to me was they said that they are going to break down the barrier between sexuality and childhood. That barrier between that between those two things is their innocence I personally wholeheartedly believe that when children still have their innocence that's their secret weapon because children perceive see and know a lot more than us adults actually give them credit for they are smart They know what is wrong, who to be around, because they're pure. They have never been exploited. They've never been victimized. They've never been hurt, molested, or raped. They have never had any type of pain inflicted upon them to the point where their whole view upon the world has been warped because of that act. When a child still has their innocence, they're in control of what they perceive. They are able to understand that this is a bad person that means me harm, this is a good person that loves me. But once that innocence is taken away, everything is warped. That line drawn in the sand is blurred and they wanna do away with their innocence As quick as possible in order to victimize your children and brainwash them into thinking that this is a normal thing. And it's not. I really hope to God that the person that decided to make this whole seminar, this training session, gets arrested. Because this is the most evil thing, okay, I have ever really found out about. I mean, I've already did a pedophiles episode and I was really pissed off about it. But this is bad as well. I just, I'm doing my best not to blow up because it is almost midnight and I don't want to wake up my neighbors. So along with another thing that has pissed me off is that the Senate has decided to deny health care to veterans. Anybody that's in the military, I'm guessing, or has been in the military. Um I I don't like this at all. Okay, let's just read this real quick. After fierce criticism for delaying landmark veterans' bill, Ted Cruz votes to pass it. Cruz drew ire last week for fist-bumping another senator uh, who, was also, who also voted against advancing the bill uh, that will help provide care for veterans exposed to toxic burn pits. Um, on Tuesday, he joined senators in passing the legislation. Okay uh, sign up for, da, da, da. okay, let's see, Washington Ted Cruz, um, voted to advance federal legislation expanding health care protections for certain military veterans after fierce criticism for voting to delay its passage last week. The U.S. Senate, uh, passed legislation Tuesday that will help provide care for veterans exposed to toxic burn pits, uh, while several uh, Republicans delayed the bill's passage because they said Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer wouldn't allow ed- amendments, Cruz sparked uh, particular ire after being seen fist bumping Senator Steve Daines in the Senate on the Senate floor after the Republican mountain mountain Montanan Jesus. <laughs> Um, voted against advancing the bill. <sighs> While I ultimately supported the bill because we need to take care of our veterans who have sacrificed so much to keep us safe, I'm disappointed that we couldn't come together and fix the Democrat-created budget gimmick that will allow Congress to subsequently spend another $400 billion in pork on top of of and completely unrelated to the laudable funding in this bill for veterans harmed by burn pits Cruz said in a statement after Tuesday's vote so before I go on I have family members that were in the National Guard, were in the Navy uh, and they've never had very good uh, medical care at all Uh, you'd think that the very men and women that, you know, risk their lives to defend this country would have the best medical care, but they don't. Um, I've had seen a family member who ended up having back problems from, um, all the lifting that they used to do in, um, the military, so... As they aged it was harder for them to move around so the military grade medical care whatever it, it, it was called they just stuck two pins in the bottom of their spine and they gave them a remote and was like you can you know change the intensity In your spine. So that you don't have to feel pain. But he. They had to go. To surgery. After surgery. After surgery. In order to fix. Whatever problem. Was going on with their spine. After they put the pins in. And. It doesn't make any sense. (sighs) Um, Another family member. Ended up. Uh having a tear duct problem, and they decided to just stick a straw-like structure right in the corner of their eye. That way, the tears would drain down their nasal cavity, and it would, you know, kind of just disappear. I don't know how that medical stuff works. But that's exactly what happened, and one day, he literally sneezed, and it came right out. They don't care about our veterans. They don't care about anybody who's in the military. They don't care. And I can tell you from just seeing how my family members have suffered from ailments and they were veterans and they were in the military. I mean, I've seen it (laughs) and it's shit. I mean, they get treated like shit. Anyway, U.S. Senator John Corrin, Texas, other Republican senator, also delayed its passage last week to allow floor time for amendments, but wasn't the target of as much criticism as Cruz. Cornyn um, maintained his support for the bill itself. The bill is one of the biggest expansions of veteran health care decades, in decades. Extending the amount of time veterans uh, who served near burn pits receive enhanced Department of Veteran Affairs health care coverage and lowering the burden to get disability payments related to the toxic exposure. Burn pits are... Uh, commonly used for waste disposal by the U.S. military in Iraq and Afghanistan. The delay in the bill's passage led to uh, vehement um, outcries from veterans, uh, many of whom have camped outside the Capitol to demand senators to vote on the package. No veteran who has sacrificed uh, for our country should ever have to resort to spending the night on the Capitol steps to secure their benefits. But sadly, in this case, they have, Schumer said from the Senate it f- Senate floor on Monday. Um, it is unfortunate that our Republican colleagues chose to block quick passage of this bill last week, um, even though this is the exact same piece of legislation many of them supported in June, which are with one small technical fix. Um, so I, I'm i not surprised that this happened, but I will say that um, because the Capitol, and because the Senate, the representatives, the White House in general, the Supreme Court, all of that. Okay. Just just all of it right now is infested with liberals. They are very sneaky in sneaking in like tiny bits of details in certain bills that that need to be passed in order to get their way and um, apparently they wanted to spend $400,000 on pork for some reason and it was put in this bill. So I can understand why some, like a lot of the Republicans ended up not supporting this bill. It's not because they don't want medical treatment or benefits for veterans. I think it's because they see the bullshit that the liberals put in the bill. You know what I mean? Um, But I mean, whatever reason, to be honest, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, the veterans of America have been treated like shit forever, and it's wrong. The House-Senate voted or both voted to pass their versions of the bill on widely bipartisan uh, terms earlier this year in the previous Senate vote. Cornyn said, or Cornyn and Cruz uh, voted for the bill, but uh, when the Senate went to vote, the final legislative text, Republican Republican, Jesus, I'm getting tired. Republican Senator... Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania raised concerns over budgeting mechanisms and led a group of peers to block the bill until uh, his amendment could get a vote. Cruz and Cornyn then joined in with their Republicans on demanding a vote on Toomey's amendment before letting it go further. The amendment did not meet the 60 vote threshold to pass. Tuesday, um, but Cruz still voted for the bills to pass. Um, let's see. Cornyn is currently isolating with COVID-19, which barred him from voting Tuesday night because senators must be physically present to vote on the floor. But he issued a statement. I'm glad Majority Leader Schumer uh, reversed his decision to block the amendment votes and on his landmark legislation. On this landmark legislation. Okay. And I look forward to President Biden signing it into law soon. Alright. Comedian John Stewart joined protesters in Washington in recent days decreeing that the Republican moves uh, as partisan gimmicks to hold up what should be an uncontroversial bill. Uh, Republicans main fear, remain furious over Democrats' surprise deal on a reconciliation package that includes billions in tax credits and investments for climate and health care which Democrats are scrambling to pass before uh, leaving uh, for the August recess. So, I also caught wind of, there there are women out in the Middle East that are being killed um, in, in numerous, I don't know, innumerably. There's just a lot of women being slaughtered in the Middle East. And um, I didn't understand why they also kind of blocked the Wi-Fi. Like, they kind of blocked the internet so no one could... None of the women can actually cry out for help on the internet either. So, um, yeah, we're just going to talk about that real quick. So, U.S. demands accountability and death of Iranian women or women after hijab arrest. So, let's see. The United States wants accountability for the death of an Iranian woman. Uh, after she was arrested in Tehran last week for wearing an improper hijab. A spokesperson for the White House National Security Council said on Monday, Masha Amini's death after injuries sustained while in police custody for wearing improper hijab is an appalling and egregious affront to human rights, the official said. Our thoughts are with Masha's family and loved ones. Women, or women in Iran should have the right to wear what they want, free from violence or harassment. Iran must end its use of violence against women for exercising their fundamental freedoms The official said there must be accountability for Masha's death. Okay. That's it. What? I need to know more than that, to be honest. Let me find something else real quick. Iranian woman dies after being beaten by morality police over hijab law. 22-year-old woman has died in an Iranian hospital days after being detained by the regime's uh, morality police for allegedly not complying with the country's hijab regulations. Masha Amini um, was traveling with her family from Iran's uh, western province of Kurdistan to the capital of Tehran to visit relatives when she was reportedly arrested for failing to meet the country's strict rules on women's dress. The witnesses reported that Amini was beaten in police uh, van An allegation the police deny. The news comes after Iran's uh, hardline president uh, Ebrahim Raisi um, ordered a crackdown on women's rights and called for stricter enforcement of the country's mandatory dress code, which has recalled all women to wear the hijab, head covering since the nineteen seventy nine Islamic Revolution. Amini, a final family like her family, uh, were notified that she had been taken to hospital. Hours after her arrest, she was transferred to an intensive care unit at uh, Kasra Hospital. According to Harana, um, an Iranian women's rights organization, Amini's family uh, were told during her arrest that she would be released for for a re-education session. Jesus Christ. The police later said Amini had suffered a heart attack. Amini's family disrupted Or disputed this, however, and said she was healthy and had not been experiencing any health problems. Amini was in a coma after arriving in the hospital. After her family said, um, adding that they were told by the hospital staff that she was brain dead. Okay. So... That's sketchy. Very sketchy. Photographs of Amini lying in the hospital bed in a coma with bandages around her head and breathing tubes have circulated on social media. Her hospitalization and death drew condemnation from Iranian uh, celebrities and politicians. Mohammad uh, Sadaji, I don't know how you say his name, a reformist politician and former NP called the Supreme Leader. Ayatollah uh, Ali Khamenei to speak over Amini's death okay sorry her case Uh, what does the supreme leader who rightfully uh, denounced US police over the death of George Floyd say about the Iranian police treatment of Masha Amini Sadgi tweeted on Friday um, the Interior Ministry of Tehran's uh, prosecutor launched inquiries into the case after an order from Ricey, uh, state media reported Ricey, uh, signed a decree on the 15th of August clamping down on women's dress and stipulating harsher punishments for violating the strict code with a public Uh, both in public and online women have been arrested across the country after the national hijab and chastity day uh, declared on the 12th of July one of the women was uh, Sedepeya Rashno. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name a writer and artist who was reportedly beaten and tortured in custody before making a forced apology on television, human rights groups have reported that extra security forces have been de- deployed outside Kasra Hospital. Wow. So I just learned that one of the actors from Supernatural um, got arrested. And it is an actor from Season 4, Episode 8, called Wishful Thinking. And it's about this little boy named Todd who ends up putting a coin in in a cursed well, I guess. And he ends up having super strength to fight his bullies. Well, Todd who um, is played by Ryan Grantham. I think that's how you say his name. Yep. Ryan Grantham gets life in prison for murdering his own mother. That is insane. A Canadian actor whose... Give me a second, I'm so sorry. Whose credits include... Can they just stop with these... A Canadian actor whose credits include Riverdale, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, and Supernatural has been sentenced to life in prison for, uh, with parole and eligibility of 14 years for the second-degree murder of his mother, CBC reports. In March 2020, the actor shot his mom, Barbara Waite, um, in the back of the head with a 22 rifle um, as she played piano in their home in squamish british columbia jesus christ as shown in court grantham then took a gopro video shortly after the murder in which he confessed to killing his mother and shows her body the following day uh, he covered the body with a sheet surrounded it with lit candles and hung a rosary from the piano before driving east on to Ottawa. Oh God, that's evil. I'm sorry. That just that just wretched my spirit. Why the heck? <sighs> driving east to Ottawa in a car uh, packed with guns, ammunition, and Molotov cocktails. His intention was to kill Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Instead, he drove up to Hope, British Columbia, with thoughts of committing a mass shooting in Simon Fraser University where he was enrolled or uh, on the Lions Gate Bridge. Ultimately, he decided to turn himself in at the Vancouver Police Department building in East Vancouver. Grantham's sister delivered a victim impact statement at the trial with British Columbia Supreme Court Justice Kathleen Kerr calling uh, the case tragic and heartbreaking the judge said uh, it was a saving grace that Grantham chose to turn himself in and not to commit a mass murder. Since second-degree murder comes with an automatic life sentence in Canada, the question was uh, how long Grantham would have to wait before applying for parole. Grantham began acting at age 9 with credits including *I Zombie* unspeakable, Way of the Wicked, Reese, and the Imaginarium of Dr. Panarsis. Wow, really? Lord. Like, why? I even, I've been watching Supernatural, and I, I remember this kid actually acting in this, and it's, it's so weird to think that that little kid, and I know he's grown up now, but it's, it's so strange to think that that little kid grew up to be a murderer. That is so tragic. That is so sad. I want to know why he did it. No one ever under- no one ever under- like, no one ever explains why. It's time for a break, okay? Go take a shit, go eat something, (laughs) get yourself a drink, and then come back. Okay, on a lighter note, uh, let's just kind of move away from all the tragedy. Because I also found an article that I really want to read. Because I love steampunk. That's one of my favorite subcultures. Like, that's my one of my favorite, like, styles. I love it. Um, and there should be more movies and more shows. And, and more conventions. And more artists that are interested in this stuff. Because I love this. This is my niche. Like, this is something... That, like, sparks my creativity. It, like, gets my gears turning, so to speak. And I I just like it. I like steampunk. I've never really talked about how much I love steampunk. So, uh, I know that this uh, episode is kind of out there. And it's all over the place. I apologize. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Originally, it was just because... I wanted to talk about the Scottish school system and everything like that, like I previously mentioned, and then I was like, well, I haven't talked about this. I've heard about this, so I had to talk about this, and then I ended up, you know, reading an article about that, and then I ended up making a recording about that, and then, oh, this caught my eye. I'm a little bit ADD today, so just bear with me. We're gonna talk about steampunk now. Yeah. All right, let's just do this. Okay, agree. Steampunk. The world's most derided subculture is ready for its comeback. Grab your parasols and aviation goggles. Steampunk might be considered untouchable now, but the pace at which trends are being, uh, regurgitated, it means, uh, that anything is possible. By now, we're all familiar with the relentless cycle of trends that are infiltrating the internet and our minds. Uh, from Y2K to Indie Sleaze, uh, we've experienced an endless, uh, rehashing of old aesthetics, repackaged in TikTok-friendly formats, and hailed by online commentators, As the next big thing with the mid aughts okay making a comeback in terms of indie music tumblr aesthetics and the emo revival we've found ourselves thinking what's next to answer the question we need to dial back to a time when technology and its advancement felt like it had real revolutionary potential it's cap as capitalism swallows itself and any chance of a future beyond it, it's easy to feel like future equals bad. But it, this doesn't get to the root of our collective angst, nor does it help us move forward. Perhaps we need what we need is something so based and cringe that we can't help but put our obsession with the past to bed. A nail on the coffin, if you will. Don't call steampunk cringe. I freaking love it. It's elegant and it's beautiful, so shut up. (laughs) Um, as one of the last remaining 2010 subcultures, uh, to not, or to, yeah, to not be put through the cultural ringer, steampunk should be set to make a return in our nostalgia economy, but why hasn't it? Uh, The hashtag steampunk currently only has 460 million views on TikTok, Um, so there's clearly a growing interest with users showing off images of coal-powdered flying boats and uh, get-ready-with-me future-period-appropriate attire such as bustles, corsets, and petticoats. But uh, not to mention accessory spanning clocks, cogs, parasols, and aviation goggles. Uh, but aside from an apparently promising online presence, the subculture has yet to take on any noticeable cultural relevance, bar the occasional nod by PC Music affiliates. Okay. So. That's steampunk? That's just. That's just a woman showing her butt. Like, no. Don't whore out steampunk. The reason why it's steampunk is because it's got Victorian-esque themes, okay? Don't take that away, alright? Or else you're just gonna make it erotica. Cato Punk's already done that, okay? Let, no, stop. Just stop. Okay, <laughs> Sorry. Steampunk was first coined by writer K.W. Jeter in 1987 to describe a subgenre of science fiction that incorporates 19th century aesthetics um, and retrofuturist technology inspired by the sort of fictional machines you'd find in H.G. Wells or Jules Verne novel. But the term now uh, (laughs) retroactively refers to many works of fiction uh, created as far back as the 1950s. For example, steampunk imagery can be seen in films as, uh, Heio Mizuki's Future Boy Cannon, 1978, Laputa Castle in the Sky, 1986, with which imagine, um, a fantastical version of old industrial Europe inhabited by airships, air pirates, and steam powered robots. Yes! Take me! TO A STEAMPUNK WORLD I WILL FIT. IN. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yet as far as the mainstream goes, steampunk doesn't exist. Um, and if it does, it's considered deeply uncool, triggering the same eye-rolling disdain as the mention of Disney adult electro-swing and, uh... Trilbies? What the hell is a Trilby? Or, yeah, Trilby? Whatever. Now don't be- I am so out of my time. Am I really that old? Like, there used to be a show on Netflix called Steampunked where they would literally try to make over each room in a fake home like, and make it over, like, Steampunk. And I loved it. I, I wish there were more seasons of it, and I wish people like loved it more, because it's so imaginative and beautiful, and I don't know, it's just me. I, I have a passion for that. I just... I like steampunk. And now, I mean, I used to listen to Electro Swing, and I, I love Electro Swing. That's something that I've listened to for a very long time and i've just started to get back into listening to it and i'm just like why did i ever stop it's like now everything like that is nostalgic for me and i'm i i like revisiting it but now everybody thinks it's just stupid and cringe and i'm like forget you guys you don't know what the hell you're talking about so i'm just old i guess um, synonymous with uh, middle-aged couples in nondescript British towns, barbershop, quarters, and Doctor Who enthusiasts, uh, there's a sincerity to the subculture that has yet to pass the threshold into irony.
2: God.
0: <sighs> Let's see. That said, the last few years have been a rec- uh, claiming of all things considered unaesthetic esthetic uh, Whether that is the messy maximalism Max, yeah, maximalism and cute core and chaotic and meme inspired fashion championed by the likes of James Wallace okay um, signaling the possibility of a steampunk themed collection uh, surely if uh, despicable minions and Shrek can find new life as garments worn by extremely Uh, online edgelords. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's not too far a stretch to imagine steampunk catching on. Elsewhere, remix culture has spawned a generation of culture uh, contrarians uh, who splice up nostalgic sounds as a way of reinventing the familiar, mixing together typically low and high culture sounds for maximum impact. Think Eurodance and Happy Hardcore combined with progressive techno and orchestral orchestral samples that sounds like electro Swing, but saying this, there are a few potential red flags typical of any subculture that glorifies the Victorian era uh, there are bound to be some imperial uh, undertones. Uh, wherever I'm sorry, whether international or intentional, Jesus. <laughs> whether intentional or not, uh, at annual steampunk gatherings such as the uh, the weekend at the asylum in Lincoln, uh, enthusiasts sip on gin and dance along to choirs singing about the joys of English breakfast tea. It's all nostalgia for a time. So an ex- linked to colonialism and that feels a little naive if not low-key sinister the emphasis on um adventuring and taking earth's resources also seems at odds with the present where we are all too aware of man's disastrous impact upon the natural world okay see um Why are we politicizing genres, like subcultures? Why are we doing that? Just because they're wearing Victorian garb? They're not allowed? This is why I hate the cultures of today. Everything has to be politicized. Don't politicize steampunk. Stop. It's to help. Like a subculture is to help people escape. From the chaos of this world, not to bring it forth and be like, oh, that's wrong. Shut up. Let people have their fucking fun. But consider this, steampunk is a reimagining of a Victorian uh, speculative fiction where steam, not electricity, is at the forefront of technological advancement. Nowadays, we find ourselves at the forefront of another technological re- revolution. Um... Not one powered by Steam, but Silicone. silicon, Whatever. The, uh, information age has ske- skewered our understanding of the world and how it works. This IRL experience is replaced with computer screens and algorithms that dictate our interests. Yeah, I, I, yep, I agree with that. People don't know how to unplug. Alright. Okay. Steampunk, in contrast, allows us to observe culture from it, from the inside out, or as scholars Rachel Bowser and Brian Croxell uh, put it, the tinkering and tinkerable technologies within steampunk invite us to roll up our sleeves and get to work reshaping our contemporary world with ongoing threats uh, in the form of global warming, microplastics, and the cost of living crisis. Um, The list goes on. There's a temptation to bury our heads in the sand and wait for it all to blow over, but that won't fix any of our problems, um, only exacerbate them. Perhaps by understanding, um, it's, Machinations, okay, aka how the cogs wind up and down. We can feel more connected to the present. So to point out the obvious, steampunk isn't ma- isn't back. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if people started donning cogs and top hats in the post ironic, anti aesthetic sort of way in the coming months. Maybe minion mania will bring goggles into style, or the goth comeback will segue into Neo-Victorianism, which is only a sort of stretch away from, you guessed it, steampunk. Uh, Whether it'll ever become a trend in real life is yet to be seen, but if our post-pandemic apathy has taught us anything, it is that people need something to spark their imagination, and that is And if that's a steam-powered Zeppelin, so be it. Yes. So be it. Let it happen. I really want to see this happen. I want to be a part of this. (laughs) Okay. Get me out of this website. I need need to go on to the next one. Oh wait, before, before I end this one piece, listen, if you're ever interested in finding out what steampunk is watch wild wild west with um whatchamacallit call it with Will Smith all right you'll learn the imagery of steampunk listen to steam power giraffe professor elemental and caravan palace please they're really awesome bands that kind of tease at the steampunk type of uh, subculture. Mr. B, The Gentleman Rhymer is also a really good, uh, English rap artist who also kinda teases at the steampunk subculture. It's kinda nice. I like their music. (laughs) Oh yeah, The Cog Is Dead is really good. That's a good band to listen to. Electro Swing in general. Like, if you're the type of person that likes techno, and old swing music mixed together. That's really fun. Just try it, okay? You might like it. If you think it's cringe and you don't like it, that's fine, it's fine. Just just try it at least. <laughs> okay, so I started watching a new um Anime called Cyberpunk Edge Runners, and I love it. I'm new to this anime, so please don't spoil anything for me. Um, I absolutely love the use of color, the use of like technology in the universe, and everything like that. And uh, it's on Netflix if you guys want to watch it. Um, if I could describe it, um, it's basically about how life is. Um, kind of like in the slums of this place called Night City and um, There's like a ranking system. There's people who are on the elite like high up ranks called suits and then they have the lower people who are called either chooms or um, like cyberpunks or edge runners and the edge runners are the people who are basically like mercenaries for the suits in order to, you know, make a quick buck. And, um, it centers around this kid named David Martinez who loses his mom. And, uh, his mom was actually trying to sell this, uh, back piece. Because everybody, uh, in this world is able to chrome up, which is kind of like a way to update their own bodies with machinery. So this was like a spinal insertion. And he found out that his mom was trying to sell that in order to kind of like uh, make ends meet for him because he was put into a really nice school and everything like that. So um, he ends up taking it, basically, because it was already sold to somebody. It just didn't. It hadn't been picked up yet, so anyway, he ends up running into the person who was supposed to have it and He ends up kind of like taking David in and they end up doing missions together and um, It's a pretty interesting story, but um, I just really love the use of color the futuristic um, Uniqueness to it. It's not like something. I've ever really seen so We're gonna read this article, the only one that I could find on Google News. So, let's see. Try the Cyberpunk Red RPG uh, for free with easy mode. Alright. Heartbroken after Edge Runners. Oh, shit. Do I have to be <laughs> heartbroken? What happened? <laughs> um, need more Chrome in your life? Cyberpunk Red easy mode is a quick way to jump into the world for free. So... The world of Night City can be harsh and unforgiving, but it's so. But it's also full of neon dreams and opportunities. Uh, among the flash and smoke, there's a life to be made on the edge. And if you're inspired by 2077, I can't talk today. Holy shit! <laughs> if you're inspired by Cyberpunk 2077 video game, or the absolutely stunning Edgerunners anime on Netflix, and want to have more in your life, now's the time to check out Cyberpunk Red Easy Mode. Cyberpunk Red Easy Mode is a free, quick introduction to the latest version of the Cyberpunk RPG. It is the quickest of quick starts, but it will get you chipped into Night City from There, it is up to you. Cyberpunk Red Easy Mode is a quick introduction to the classic tabletop role-playing game of the dark future and encompasses everything you need to explore the post-war world of the time Um, and of the Red, including dive into the history of Geography and Night City, Basic rules for the game um, to play: a charismatic rocker boy, a lethal solo, an intuitive tech. Okay, so you get to play some of the characters. A new introductory mission, so they have new missions as well. If you never played Cyberpunk Red, it's <clears throat> a little different from the world of 2077. Uh, It's Night City in a time of crisis new, but it's also after a nuke has gone off in the city center. The landscape is wildly different. Uh, Neighborhoods uh, like Pacifica are up and coming. Meanwhile, scavengers and reclaimers are trying to carve out niches of bombed-out irritated ruins. Or, yeah, irritated. Okay, whatever. And with the lost corporate war smoldering, there are opportunities for edge runners. Um, if you have the jumpstart kit, you've got something similar already, but you want to just test the waters, see if red is right for your group. Then check out Cyberpunk Red Easy Mode. Um, can't beat the price. Alright, that's interesting. I know that they also have, like, a D&D game as well, so, um, I would love to check all of that out, to be honest. So, me and Terrence actually went to go see the re-release of, uh, the first Avatar movie, which, to be honest, It was worth watching, especially in 3D. It was really cool. Um, I just expected more changes. Um, I mean, if you guys like spoilers, it's just um, like one change at the end. And then you get to see a little bit of what's going to happen in the second one afterwards, because there's like a... An after credits clip kind of like how Marvel used to do so um, I mean go in there with low expectation but I mean if you want to watch it in 3d like me and Terrence did it was incredible I really liked it um, but James Cameron spent an entire year writing an avatar 2 script and then he threw it out it wasn't subconscious enough okay I like James Cameron. He's he really needs to do a lot more, uh, like stuff like this. I know that he's really into doing like Avatar and stuff like that, but I think the technology that he has kind of like made really needs to be used a whole lot more in order to make like worlds like this. Um, but James Cameron revealed uh, the, to the Times UK that before Avatar. The Way of Water. There was a full Avatar 2 screenplay that was written and then thrown into the trash. It turns out that at least an entire year of the 13-year gap between 2009's Avatar and 2022's The Way of Water was spent on a screenplay that will never see the light of day. When I sat down with my writers to start Avatar 2, I said we cannot do the next one until... We understand why the first one did so well, Cameron said. We must track the code of what the hell happened. Cameron and his team came to the following conclusion. All films work in different levels. Uh, The first is surface, which is character, problem, and resolution. The second is thematic. Uh, What is the movie trying to say? But Avatar also... Works on a third level, the subconscious. Um, I wrote an entire script for the sequel, read it, and realized it didn't. It did not get to a level three. Boom, start over. That took a year.
1: Oh,
0: wow. During an appearance on the Marianne Williamson podcast last year, uh, Cameron elaborated more on his- uh, this third level that the- that he believes allowed Avatar to become the highest grossing movie of all time at the worldwide box office. There is a ter-, ter-, ter- damn it. <laughs> Terrarity? Ter-, ter- tertiary level. Damn it. Okay. Tertiary level as well as, um- a dreamlike sense of you- a yearning to be there, okay? Duh. We know that, bro. Uh, to be in that space, to be in a place that is safe and where you want to be, Cameron said. Whether that is flying, that sense of freedom and exhilaration, or whether it's being the f- in the forest where you can smell the earth. Um, it was a sensory thing and that communicated on such a deep level that the spirituality of the uh, that was the spirituality of the first film. Um, Cameron revealed the same interview or in the same interview uh, that he nearly fired his avatar sequel writers because they were initially so dead set on creating new stories as opposed to, figuring out the dna that made the first movie a record breaker wow when i sat down to write the sequels i knew there were going to be 3 at there were going to be 3 at the time and eventually it turned into 4 put together a group of writers and said i don't want to hear anybody's new ideas or anyone's pitches until we have Spent some time figuring out um, what worked in the first film, what connected, and why it worked. Cameron said uh, they kept wanting to talk about the new stories. I said we aren't doing that yet. Eventually, um, I had to threaten and fire threaten to fire them um, all because they were doing what writers do, which is to try and create new stories. I said. We need to understand what the connection was and protect it, protect that ember and that flame. Um, Avatar The Way of Water opens in theaters December 16th of this year, guys, and I'm so excited. I am ready. YOLO, I'm back. Alright. Now. If my phone would work properly. There we go. The hidden links between mental disorders. So, psychiatrists have a dizzying array of diagnoses and not enough treatments. Hunting for the hidden biology underlying mental disorders could help. So, um, I think everybody knows by now what my occupation is. I don't want to be annoying and repeat it. But I work in the mental health field, and this is actually kind of helpful for me to read. And um, I always kind of believe that there were certain things that kind of develop mental disorders in in people's minds, um, which is like an outside force, like maybe abuse of some kind. So uh, we are going to read this article. See what happens in 2018? Psychiatrist Oligur Plana Rapol okay, that's some name was wrestling with a puzzling fact about mental disorders. He knew that many individuals have multiple conditions anxiety and depression, say, or schizophrenia. <sighs> schizophrenia, hmm, that's interesting. That's a new one, schizophrenia and uh bipolar disorder. Um, He wanted to know how common it was to have more than one diagnosis, so he got his hands on a database containing the medical details of around 5. million Danish citizens. Isn't that against the law, though, bro? Yo. And 5. million Danish citizens? I thought- I thought Denmark was one of the most happiest places on Earth. Like, that's part of Scandinavia. Don't ruin my dream. I want to go there someday. <laughs> like. No. You mean that? I mean, of course it's a possibility. I'm just saying, like, that kind of broke my heart. There's people, even in the happiest places, that are suffering. I mean. I don't know. I don't know why that's news to me. But. <laughs> um, he was. Uh, taken aback by what he found, every single mental disorder uh, predisposed uh, the patient to every other mental disorder, no matter how um, distinct the symptoms. We knew that the comor- comorbidity, I don't know what that is, was important, but uh, <laughs> we didn't expect to find associations for um, all pairs says Ripoll. so who is based in Aarhus University in Denmark? Uh, The study tackles a fundamental question uh, that has bothered researchers for more than a century. Uh, What are the roots of mental illness? Abuse? Um, In the hope of finding an answer, scientists have piled up an enormous amount of data over the past decade through studies of genes, brain activity, and neuroanatomy. Um, they have found evidence that, they, that many of the same genes underline uh, seemingly distinct disorders such as schizophrenia and autism um, and that changes in the brain decision-making systems could be involved in many conditions. Researchers are also drastically rethinking theories of how our brains go wrong. The idea that mental illness can be classified into distinct discrete categories such as anxiety or psychosis has been disproved to a large extent. Instead, uh, disorders shade into each other um, and there are no hard dividing lines, uh, as Plana-Rapol study so clearly demonstrated. Now, researchers are trying to understand the biology that underlines the spectrum of uh, psychopathology. Um, They have new theories, perhaps. There are several dimensions of mental illness, so depending on how a person scores in each dimension, they might be more prone to some disorders than others. Then alternative, more radical idea is that there is a single factor that makes people prone to mental illness in general, which disorder, uh, they develop is then determined by other factors. Both ideas are being taken seriously, although the concept of multiple dimensions is more widely accepted by researchers. So, I know this isn't always the case, Okay, but I do believe that when um, an outside force disrupts a person's mind, meaning that could be spiritually, mentally, physically, sexually, anything like that, um, any type of um, abuse basically is what um, develops a mental illness. Um, a lot of the time when people end up developing um, bipolar disorders cases, they have lived in a home where they have no control, they have no attention, they have no um way of showing uh who they are as an individual to the parents. Um, when it comes to depression, that can either be straightforward or it cannot be. It all depends. Um, Personally, for me, it happened all of the sudden when I turned 19, and I think it was because it wasn't just because of the religious background and the religious, like, um. how do you say that? I would say it was a religious abuse, but it wasn't anything physical. It was just a way of, like, using the Bible to make me feel sorry for everything that I did that... Like, me being myself wasn't enough, you know what I mean? So, um, I do believe that there is a religious type of abuse out there that people don't even realize. And that factored into kind of how I reacted to the world in a very sad and depressed way. So, um, I do believe that outside forces, outside people's control can develop a mental illness. And a mental illness, to be frank, is just the brain's way to create a survival mode in order to deal with whatever's going on around them. So, um, it, a mental illness is just a way that the brain has kind of made itself to survive in whatever condition they have found themselves in. Whether that be a physically abusive relationship, a domestic abuse, a child abuse, child sexual abuse, it it all kind of pans into the mental illness spectrum. And there's so many mental illnesses that could shatter the mind. And it all depends on where those pieces of the mind go whether that goes to schizophrenia, um, I don't know why they have autism on there. I don't believe that uh, autism can be caught. I don't think autism can be developed. It is something that happens within the womb. Um, I don't know why they have that. See, I believe that mental illness and mental disability are two different things. So a mental disability is something that happens within the womb. There is scientific proof that kids with autism either have copies of certain genes or missing certain genes, um, which develops autism. Um, but to be frank, when it comes to depression, anxiety, or bipolar disorder, um, that stuff actually happens from outside forces that we can't control. Um, The details are still fuzzy, but most psychiatrists agree that one thing is clear. The old system of categories categorizing uh, mental disorders uh, Into neat boxes does not work. They are also helpful that in the long run replacing this framework uh, with one that is grounded in new drugs and treatments researchers aim to reveal for instance Uh, the key genes, brain regions, and neurological processes involved in psychopathology and target them with therapies. So I don't have any problem with medicine. I think it's good in order to help people get a grip upon how to handle their life with their mental disorder. But I don't believe that they should be on it the rest of their life. Because at some point, they may not be able to afford it, they may not be able to get it, um, and their bodies can sometimes react to it in a very poor way. So I don't believe that medicine is always the case for some people. Um, because there are certain, um, like, medications, like, such as Resperdone, which is, I guess it could be Resperdone or Resperdal, but Resperdal, um, is an antipsychotic, and it basically uh, helps the racing thoughts slow down, but, um, if you give it to a male, sometimes they develop breasts, uh, which is a problem. Um, Zoloft is another, which has been used with drug addiction as well, and it's not okay. Um, Zoloft is also um, tricky, because if you don't take it constantly, your emotions go up and down, which is what it's trying to prevent. So it creates a dependency. It creates a dependency, because if you don't take it constantly, it's going to make you worse. And I don't believe that medicines should have those types of side effects. And I, I just don't think that uh, people should, you know, keep um, taking them for the rest of their lives. I just, I, I don't, I don't feel like that's, that should be happening. Um, I do know that some people, they can't function without it. And to be honest, um, I do. I don't want to be here and say, "Oh, you should, you know, not take your medication." Of course, take your medication. Uh, always talk to your doctor, your psychiatrist, your pharmacist, and um, see what is right for you in order to wean yourself off, if that's what your goal is. I'm not a doctor. I kind of wish I was, but I'm not. I can't tell you what to do. Um, I know that there are people out there that can't function without it, but I do believe that there should be therapies out there to help them function without it, to help them handle it. Because, like I said, there could be a time where they aren't able to get it. Meaning, they should be able to survive on their own. There should always be a plan B. Nobody should be dependent on any type of medicine. Unfortunately, that's how the world works now. But I don't believe that anybody should be dependent on medicine because some of these medicines are poison, especially with the mental illness meds. Although it might take a while to get there, says uh, Stephen Hyman of the Board Institute of MIT and Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I am uh, long-term optimistic if the field really does its work. A smorgasbord of disorders. So, the most immediate challenge is uh, working out to diagnose people. Since the 1950s, psychiatrists have used an an exhaustive volume called the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Currently in its fifth edition, it lists all recognized disorders from autism to obsessive compulsive disorder to depression, anxiety, and schizophrenia. Uh, Each is defined by symptoms. The inherent assumption is that each disorder is distinct and arises for different reasons. I don't- does- you can't develop autism, though, can you? Like, if it's a developmental- like, it's something that somebody can develop... I guess that would be a mental disorder, but from what I know, autism- it comes from the womb. It develops within... the process of... making of a child during pregnancy. Anyway. However, even before the DSM-5 was published in 2013, many researchers argued that this approach was flawed by a uh, clinician, clin- any clin- clinic person, what a, however you frickin' say that word, uh, could have told you that um, patients had not uh, read the DSM and didn't conform to the DSM, says Hyman, who helped... To draft the manuals fifth edition, um, few patients fit into each neat set of criteria. Instead, people often have a mix of symptoms from different disorders. Even if someone uh, has a fairly clear diagnosis of depression, they often have symptoms of other disorders, such as anxiety. If you have one disorder, you're much more likely to have the other," says Ted uh, Satter White. A neuropsychiatrist at the University of Pennsylvania in Fidela, Philadelphia Boy That was a mouthful. This implies that the way clinicians Clinicians, okay, uh, have partitioned mental disorders is wrong psychiatrists have uh, tried to solve uh, this by splitting disorders into ever finer subtypes. If you look at the way the DSM has um evolved over time, the book gets thicker and thicker says Shatter Satter Satterweight, Satur Satterthwaite, whatever his name is. Uh put the problem or but the problem persists as subtypes are still a poor reflection of the clusters of symptoms that many patients have. As a result, the world's largest funder of mental health science is uh, the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health changed the way it funded research beginning in 2011. It began demanding more studies of the um, biological basis of disorders instead of their symptoms under a program called the Research Domain Criteria. Um, there has been an ex- Explosion of research into the biological basis of psychopathology. uh, Which. uh, Studies. Focus on genetics and neuroanatomy. Along with other fields. But if researchers hoped to. uh, Demystify. Demystify. um, Psychopathology. They still have a long way to go. The key finding has been just how complex psychopathology really is controversial clusters clinically the evidence that symptoms cut across disorders or that people frequently have more than one disorder has only grown stronger for this reason although individual symptoms such as mood alterations and impairments is reasoning or in reasoning can be diagnosed reliably assigning patients to an overall diagnosis, uh, such as bipolar disorder is difficult, uh, when seemingly, uh, separate disorders are, uh, linked. Um, in 2008, geneticist Angelica Ronald, uh, then at King's College London, um, Institute of Psychiatry and her colleagues found that autism attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, or ADHD overlapped. At the time, you weren't allowed to be diagnosed with both conditions, says Ronald. That is true, though. I remember that back in the day. That was, uh, it was always autism and ADHD. But, yeah, you can have both. Um, this was because of a rule in an earlier version of the DSM. But, she and her team found uh, what a, what traits for autism and ADHD were strongly correct, correlated, sorry, um, and partially under genetic control. So, ADHD is also in your genes. Okay. Furthermore, there uh, seem to be clusters of symptoms that cross the boundaries of disorders. Uh, a 2018 study examined people who had been diagnosed with either major depression, panic disorder, or post-traumatic stress disorder, the volunteers were assessed on the basis of their symptoms, cognitive performance, and brain activity. The researchers found that the participants fell into six groups categorized by distinct moods such as tension and melancholia. The groups cut across the three diagnostic categories, and they... Uh, we're not there, or as if they were not there, okay. Um, many now agree the diagnostic categories um, were wrong. The question is with biology as their guide, that should a psychiatrists diagnose and treatment look like? What, what would that look like for them? So, how long is this thing? It is much longer than I intended. I'm going to finish this one last section, because oh my god, that goes on forever. Let's see. Multiple dimensions, the P factor, well then. Might as well just finish it, I think. Sorry, guys. I didn't look at the length of this thing. But anyway... The prominent model is that there are a number of neuropsychological traits, or dimensions, that vary in every person. Um, Each trait determines our susceptibility to certain kinds of disorder, Uh, For example, someone might be prone to mood disorders such as anxiety, but not to thought disorders such as schizophrenia. This is similar to the way psychologists think about personality in the model of personality traits, uh, such as conscientiousness, neuroticism, um, describe uh, the variation in human personalities. Some psychiatrists are already uh, trying to... uh, are trying to... Regimen their discipline with dimensions in the mind in the early 2010s There was a push to eliminate disorder categories from the DSM-5 in favor of the dimensional approach based on uh, individual symptoms. However, this attempt failed partially because health um, Care funding and patient care has been built up around the DSM categories Um, however other cat catalogs of disorders have shifted towards dimensionality. In 2019, the World Health Assembly endorsed the latest international classification of diseases called the ICD-11 in which some psychopathologies were newly broken down into dimensional symptoms rather than categories. The challenge for the dimensionality hypothesis is obvious. How Uh, many dimensions are there and what are they? Uh, Okay, so uh, one popular theory supported by many studies over the past decade argues that just two dimensions um, are there. The first includes all inter- internalizing disorders such as depression in which the primary uh, symptoms affect a person's internal state OCD can also be internalized, but okay. <laughs> um, this is contrasted with externalizing disorders such as hyperactivity and antisocial behavior in which a person's response to the world's uh, world is affected. If someone has been diagnosed with two or more disorders, studies suggest these are likely to be uh, from the same category. Um... But studies combining large amounts of brain imaging data uh, with uh, machine, yeah, machine learning have turned up different numbers, even in studies done by the same lab. Last year, uh, Satterthwaite, whatever, um, his group published a study of 1,141 young people who had internalizing symptoms and found... Uh, they could be split into two groups on the basis of their brain structure and function. In 2018, Satterthwaite um, led a similar study and identified four dimensions, um, each associated with the distinct pattern of brain connectivity. Some teams study the strength of connections between the brain regions to work uh, whether brain function correlates with particular diagnosis. Um, Ultimately, a future version of the DSM could have chapters devoted to each dimension, says Hyman. Uh, These could list the disorders that uh, cluster within each, as well as their symptoms and any biomakers derived from the underlying psychology and genetics. Two people who had similar symptoms but different sets of mutations, or neuroanatomical alterations, then be diagnosed and treated differently. That's crazy. In the genes. It's not always in the genes, though. I'm sorry. It's not always in the genes. One pillar of this future approach is a better understanding of the genetics of mental illness, In the past decade, studies of psychopathological genetics have become large enough to draw robust conclusions. The studies revealed that no individual uh, gene contributes much to the risk of psychopathology. Um, Instead, hundreds of genes each have a small effect. Uh, A 2009 study found that thousands of gene variants were risk factors for schizophrenia many were also associated with bipolar disorder suggesting that some genes contribute to both disorders this is not to say that uh the same genes are involved in all brain disorders far from it a team led by geneticist benjamin neal at massachusetts general hospital of boston and uh psychiatrist aiden corvin at Trinity College in Dublin found that in 2018 Neurological disorders such as epilepsy and multiple sclerosis are genetically distinct from psychiatric disorders such as schizophrenia and depression so these studies all looked at common variants which are the easiest to detect some recent studies focused uh, instead on extremely rare variants uh, which do suggest genetic differences between disorders. A study of more than 12,000 people found that individuals with schizophrenia had unusually a high rate of ultra-rare mutations and that these were often unique to one individual. I do believe that schizophrenia is one of those... Um, Uh, disorders that can be found in the genes, but, um, like I said, sometimes outside forces, uh, such as abuse, kind of make those mental disorders such as depression, anxiety, and PTSD come up, but, um, yeah. The result is a mess. It is difficult to predict which risk factors to cut across conditions. So they do say uh, that these were often unique to one individual. So I believe that's just the way they react. Every person reacts to their own mental illness in a different way. So they're completely correct about that. Um, let's see. Factors cut across conditions. Some of them are quite uh, broadly shared across psychopathology, says Neil, whereas some are a bit more sci- or specific to one or a handful of forms of psychopathology. So, the P factor. Some psychiatrists have put forward a radical hypothesis that they hope will allow them to make sense of the chaos if disorders are symptoms or, uh, yeah, or co-occur, sorry, and, um, if many genes are implicated in multiple disorders then maybe there is a single factor that predisposes people to psychopathology the idea uh, was first proposed in 2012 by public health specialist benjamin lee Hay, um at the university of chicago in illinois lee Hay, um and his colleagues studied symptoms of 11 disorders they used to Statistics to uh, examine whether the pattern could best be explained by three uh, distinct dimensions or by those three together with a general predisposition. So, the model worked better if the general factor was included. So basically, the control factor. It's usually how they do. They test. They always have to have a control group, but. The following year, the hypothesis um, received more support um, and a catchy name from husband and wife psychologists Avshalom Caspi and Tere Moffitt at Duke uh, University in North Carolina. Um, hang on. They used data from long-term study of 1,037 people and found that most of the variation in symptoms could be explained by a single factor. Caspi and Moffitt uh, called this the p-factor. Since 2013, multiple studies have uh, replicated their core finding. Caspi and Moffitt were clear that the p-factor could not explain everything and made no guesses about um, its underlying biology speculating only that a set of genes might mandate it or mediate it. Um, let's see. Others have proposed that the P-factor is a general predisposition to psychopathology, um, but that other factors, stressful experiences, or other gene alterations nudge a person towards different sy- symptoms. I love the fact that they want to keep, like, psychology and psychiatry, like, they want the mind to be put in a box, even even with this whole testing thing. Like, the, there's more dimensions, of course, I agree with that. But the fact is, is that you're looking just in one vein. You're going into one vein. You're saying, it's all in the genes. But there's also outside forces that help, develop that problem and The fact is that I also want to hear about the outside factors that make um, Make people react the way that they do to the world around them Like I said, it's not always in the genes But I love that scientists and psychologists and neurologists all want to say it's all in the genes But There are already hints that generalized treatments could work just as well as targeted therapies. A 2017 study randomly assigned people with anxiety disorders such as panic disorder or obsessive-compulsive disorder to receive either a therapy for a specific disorder or generalized approach. Both therapies worked equally well. Meanwhile, other groups have searched for neuroenactivity. Neuroanatomical change uh, that occurs in psychopathologies, uh, the results are intriguing but contradictory. Okay, most scientists agree that uh, what is needed is more data, um, and many remain unconceived, unconvinced, Jesus, uh, by such simple explanations. I am little less certain that that's how it's going to play out, says Neil. At the genetic level, at least, he says, there are many disorders such as PTSD and generalized anxiety disorder that remain poorly understood. All, uh, which sweeping hypotheses are premature, says Hyman. I think it's a time for much more, uh, empirical... Research rather than grand theorization. Yeah, okay. Sorry if that article was really boring. I didn't mean it. I just really wanted to, like, read it. I was interested. Okay, so this episode might not be able to go on to YouTube because. Uh, the website that I use only uses, like, an hour of my audio, which means I have to keep it under an hour or an exact hour, uh, anything two hours or more. I can't post to YouTube, which sucks, but anyway, 15 better things you could be doing after work instead of watching TV if you want to be happier. Um, I love happy hacks. I need more hacks in my life to be happier. Um, so I wanna, I wanna know. Um, we're not gonna read the introduction, cause I really don't like that. Number one is read, of course. I love reading. Um, it worked for me. Um, here are several suggestions for awesome fiction and, okay, whatever. Uh, listen to a podcast... <laughs> yes, listen to rogue radio people you'll be happier um, sure it requires technology but after you click play you have to all you have to do is sit back close your eyes and listen yeah call a friend catch up with someone you haven't talked in a while two in a while sorry uh, if you never know what the conversation Oh, yeah, you never- Okay, whatever. Yeah, you never know when the conversation is gonna, you know, get good and juicy, you know? We used to do that all the time back in the 90s, you know? Like, talk to your friend on the phone. Like, that was the only way of, like, connecting with someone. But now it's like, oh, you can instant message me and you can video chat me and all this other shit. I'm just like, we don't usually contact anybody on our phones anymore, but- or meet up in person. That's also something that we all fail to do now. But rather than going home after work, meet up with someone and grab dinner or drinks, just make sure to put your phone away and give them your full attention. Write. I love writing. That's like my pastime. That's my favorite hobby. Is uh, you can start a blog, write an article, and post it on LinkedIn journal. Um, don't worry about composing something spectacular. Just get those thoughts on paper. Uh, you might feel surprisingly refreshed afterwards. Although, if you are posting on LinkedIn, might want to run it by someone else. So, the one thing that I like to do besides, like, writing stories, like, I have my own Wattpad and everything like that, but, uh, personally, I love having a scrap journal, uh... So what I do, it's like a scrapbook slash journal. So I write, but I also have things like flyers or receipts or um, something that I see like laying around around me. It could be like a candy wrapper or it could be just like an inspirational quote or even stickers that kind of like brighten up the page. And um, it's very therapeutic. Just something for you guys to think about. Cook or bake. Find a new recipe and try it out. And if uh, you bring it, you bring your creation into work, I guarantee your co-workers will love you. Meditate. Now, meditation, I have a love-hate relationship with. Um, if it's, like, very spiritual, I'm not a big fan of it. But if it's just you kind of, like trying to sit and listen to the silence, I'm all for that, you know what I mean? Um, This doesn't need to take up all your free time. Set aside 20 to 30 minutes right uh, when you get home or right before bed to calm your mind. Here's how to do it if you know how, okay. Clean your home. Yes, um, a cluttered house is a cluttered mind, people. The more you clean your house, the better you'll feel mentally. Um, so, dirty dishes in the sink, uh, haven't swiffered the floors in a month, need to do laundry, food going bad in your fridge, use the time after work to get ahead on your chores. So, yes, exercise. Not a morning person, substitute the TV for a treadmill, yoga class, or online exercise video. Um, you'll feel like a champion. Yes. Um, my suggestion is, it's something that I personally do. Um, I would exercise for about however long you usually do, whether that be sit ups, dancing, whatever, um, do your regular thing, your, uh, regular workout plan. And then after you're done, take a cold shower and then put some apple cider vinegar in your water bottle. After your workout, drink that. It will put you to sleep and you will sleep like a freaking baby afterwards. Oh my god. That's like, I felt like heaven after that. And it's great because cold showers also kind of like builds up your immunity as well. Because um, after... You exercise, you're kind of sweating out whatever toxins that you have in your body, and then all that cold water shuts those pores down. So that way they're not secreting anymore, and that um, kind of puts your body into shock, and your body is in, like, protection mode, almost. So we've talked about this before, um, where I, like... Read an article about Wim Hof who actually does ice baths and uh, does ice therapy and stuff like that But um, taking cold showers really does help the immune system But uh, go for a walk If exercise isn't a thing, I get it. Go um, more leisurely route and walk around the block As long as it's not freezing or pouring rain Uh, Let's see maybe make some or take some music or a friend with you. Yeah Do an art project. Art. There's a reason why in the mental health field, we call art occupational therapy. It is therapeutic to many, many people, and it is very helpful. So yes, do an art project. Get a sketchbook. Paint. Uh, Sew. Make something. It's so therapeutic to make something with your hands because... You're focusing on what your hands are doing instead of what's going on in your mind. And it's just fulfilling. I um, personally, I like to paint and I like to sew. So doing that and secluding myself and making a work of art is the most rewarding thing ever. I love it. Um, play with your pets, yes. Especially if they're cats. They're very, very funny. I love them. Pamper yourself. Yes. Give yourself a facial. Take a bath. Um, Lay out in the sun. You know. Do something that you know will relax you. Solve a puzzle. See, I'm not a big puzzle person. But I have helped people put a puzzle together. And it's pretty cool. Um, But challenge your mind a bit by working on a physical puzzle or play solitaire with yourself or have a roommate play a card game or a board game. So make a list. (laughs) It can be about anything. Maybe you need to lay out your groceries for the week or want to compile your favorite uh, companies to work for or have been uh, meeting out to jot down your new year's resolutions. Take the time to write them down and then come up with a plan for how to execute them. An easy way to motivate yourself to follow through. Yeah, I like that. So here's some interesting facts that I kind of want to end the day with, so I'm kind of glad that I downloaded Mix again, because uh, has some really nice articles, especially some stuff that just kind of relieves the pressure of some of the stuff that I have been talking about, so it's cool. Number one is Till Rip was a stray dog adopted by an air raid patrol in World War II. Although not trained for rescue work, he sniffed out over a hundred victims trapped beneath buildings. He was awarded the Dickin Medal for his work, which uh, has been held partially responsible for prompting uh, the training of search and rescue dogs. Number two. Till... Okay, hang on. Ireland limits um, taxation on writers, artists, composers, painters, etc. for their contribution to culture. Dude, I'M MOVING! (laughs) I love that! Number three is that scientists are trying to study birds in Australia fitted um, them with tracking harness- (coughs) (laughs) (coughs) Fitted them with tracking harnesses and the birds helped each other uh, take the harnesses off. Those are some smart-ass birds. Number four. During a preview of the Sistine Chapel paintings, um, one of the Pope's men criticized the disgraceful nudity. So Michelangelo painted the critics' likeness Uh, Into the last judgment wearing nothing but a snake That was biting his dick Holy shit Yo Don't don't (laughs) That was a big middle finger Let's see Uh, uh, Number five is Queen guitarists um, Brian May uses banjo strings on his electric guitars Banjo strings are much lighter, thinner, and can bend much easier. um, Making the signature queen sound. That's actually cool. Number six is, uh, in Laguna, Brazil, uh, bottlenose dolphins actively herd fish towards local fishermen and then signal with tail slaps for the fishermen to throw their nets. This collaboration has been occurring since at least 1847. That's actually really cool. Uh 65 of cancer survivors surveyed by War on Cancer said that they had been ghosted by friends or family after their diagnosis. Who the fuck does that? That's awful. Fuck everybody who did that to them. Number A. That in 2013, a climber found a box of rubies, sapphires, and emeralds in a remote glacier on Mount Blanc. Authorities, um, determined they were likely from an Indian plane that crashed there in 1966 and gave the climber half the gems, worth $169,000, to reward his honesty and turning them in. Yo, it, sometimes it pays to be a good person, I swear to god. It, uh, the New Zealand army helped in making the Lord of the Rings films by filming as soldiers and orcs. That's awesome! I love that. <laughs> Number 10. Researchers in Botswana ran an experiment to reduce lion attacks in cows. Um, let's see. They painted large eyes on the cow's butts. Interesting. After several years, they showed fewer zero attacks on the eye butt cows versus unpainted cows. Hmm. Okay. Um, quaternary twins are when two babies are both cousins and, genetically, siblings, um, this happens when two identical sisters have children with two identical brothers. Huh? Oh, okay. No, I understand that. Okay. I thought- at first I kind of assumed incest, but I was like, wait. (laughs) Alright, that Albert Gorig Harmon, or, uh, yeah, okay. Hang on. That Albert Goring Harmon, Goring's brother, was opposed to Nazism and helped Jews and others who were persecuted escape Nazi Germany. He died in 1966. Never received recognition for his actions. Well, I recognize it. I wish I could give you a, a medal, though. Number 13. 1993 Chinese film An Old Man and His Dog was banned in its native country for decades, due to the discovery that the dog trainer and body double to the lead actor was a serial killer who fed his victims to dogs, including the ones on screen? Jesus Christ! Number 14, that urine comes from your blood, not directly from the digestive system. What the hell? So... I love learning new things. It just blows my mind sometimes. It's like, I always thought that was just because it it was just from your body. I didn't actually think that it was from your blood. That's strange. Uh, Steve Jobs offered Linus Torvalds, um, the creator of Linux, uh, a job at Apple under the condition he stopped developing for Linux. He declined the job offer. Mm hmm. It's number 16. Patricia Stallings was wrongfully convicted for murder of her infant son under suspicion of antifreeze poisoning before being released due to the biochemist finding that her son had methyl. Uh, acid. acid. acidemia? I don't know how you say that. Uh, after hearing about uh, her case on the television series, Unsolved Mysteries. Interesting. Uh, number 17, that during a battle with American troops led by Genitor... C- Genitor? Wow. General Custer, chief sitting bull, moved within rifle range. Methol... Methodic... I know how to say this word, I swear to god methodically Uh, filled his pipe encouraged orders to join him slowly smoked as bullets flew by and returned unscathed as a display of contempt and courage so they would just both kind of like smoked their pipes while all this shit was happening (laughs) okay then Today I learned that Central Europe uh, there are hunger stones. Okay. In riverbed stones. Uh, were marked with an inscription visible only when the flow was low enough to warn of a drought um, that would cause famine. Interesting. The only known individual uh, whose parents were two different species of humans she lived 90,000 years ago in a central in central asia where a fragment of her bone was found in two, two, 2012 jesus mm, her mother was a neanderthal and her father was a Devi, devis savin okay number 20 in new jersey it's illegal for criminals to Wear a bulletproof vest while committing a crime. Okay. Number 21. (laughs) If you hear my husband laughing in the background, he's in the other room. (laughs) Just being silly. Um, That using recycled glass to make new glass requires 40% less energy than making it from all new materials. It saves energy because crushed glass melts at a lower temperature than a than raw materials. Glass is sometimes recycled into glass-fault or is used as a landfill covering over waste materials. Hmm. Ronald Reagan started eating Jelly Bellies uh, to quit smoking and kept it up so much that during his terms, as president, he would have more than 300,000 jelly beans shipped to the White House each month. Okay. Um, number 23. After tigers escaped from a zoo in Georgia and killed a man, advice was uh, used on what to do if you meet a tiger, including don't approach it, don't run, don't, don't run away and don't urinate so what are you supposed to do just let him let it eat you Jesus number 24 Ben that Ben Franklin's infa- in- <sighs> Mm-hmm. that Ben Franklin's invention of the lightning rod was blamed by church leaders for the 1755 Cape Ann earthquake off the coast of colonial Massachusetts. Um, as his heretical, heterical? Heretical? Rods. Alright. Interfered with the artillery of heaven and deprived God of using lightning as tokens of displeasure. You can always count on the church cult to ruin some shit. (laughs) Number 25. Tasmanian devils bear up to 50 babies, but only have four nipples. The first four babies that successfully make it from the birth canal into the pouch stand a chance of surviving, while the rest die and are eaten by their mother. That's awful. Uh, Chernobyl necklace is a horizontal scar that are at the base of the throat from surgery to remove thyroid cancer uh, caused by fallout from the nuclear accident. Wow. In Florida, a sinkhole unexpectedly opened up um, beneath a sleeping man's bedroom and swallowed him whole. He's presumed dead. It's awful. Ew. Uh, That maggot therapy is an FDA-approved treatment option for ulcers No No, no fuck no and wounds to, pre- to promote healing live maggots are placed in the site of injury and they eat the necrotic tissue while also secreting antimicrobial chemicals no, I don't like it. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Nope. Uh-uh. Nope. I'll just- I'll just die. Thanks. Nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> that due to ADA standards, elevators going up, um, ding once, and elevators going down ding twice to help those with disabilities. That's cool. Um, let's see. Actor Matt Dotary, who played Les Averman, in the Mighty Ducks films, didn't know how to skate or play hockey at all when he was cast in the first movie. By the time he shot the third movie, he was captain of his high school hockey team and had been offered a scholarship to play in college. Number 31. Zoomies have a technical name. Phrenic, phrenetic random activity periods or fraps. <laughs> So when your cat has the zoomies technically, scientifically they have the fraps I don't understand <laughs> why don't you just call them zoomies it's cuter number 32 uh, about 1936 presidential election in which Roosevelt received 98.49% of the electoral vote total which remains the highest percentage of the electoral vote won by any candidate in since eighteen twenty. So in twenty eighteen a thirty-four year old man blew a hole in his throat by holding his nose and closing his mouth while sneezing. The expulsion of air from a sneeze can propel mucus droplets at a rate of a thousand or not a 1, thousand a hundred miles per hour. Um he was given antibiotics to put and put on a feeding tube for seven days and recovered with no permanent damage. Listen, I know sometimes it's improper to just kind of let the spit spew out your damn mouth whenever you sneeze, but it's much better than what that guy just went through. 34. The first victim of the Chernobyl disaster was Valerie um, Cod. Kodamekuk, um who died as, as the reactor exploded. His body was never found and is entombed in the wreckage of Ch- the Chernobyl power plant. Number 35. Um, that there's something called the preparedness paradox. Preparation for a danger, an epidemic, natural disaster, can keep people from being harmed by that danger since People don't see negative consequences from the danger. They wrongly conclude that the danger wasn't bad to start with. Wolverine was created because Marvel's then-editor-in-chief, Roy Thomas, wanted a Canadian hero to boost north of the border sales. <laughs> the Museum of Icelandic Sorcery in Oh, I don't want to go there anymore now. I don't wanna go to Iceland no more. Fuck that. Um I'm mad. You know my stance on witchcraft and sorcery and all that mumbo voodoo jumbo. I don't I don't like it. I don't touch it. Uh-uh. But the Museum of Icelandic Sorcery and Witchcraft has a replica of Nebrok or Necro-pants? A pair of pants made from the skin of a dead man or woman, which are believed in Icelandic witchcraft to be capable of producing an endless supply of money. No. Mm-mm. Number 38. Till- Okay, uh, the museum of- Of the museum infested with the Chilean- Chilean recluse spider, um, widely considered to be the most venomous of its kind. The museum, Finnish Museum of Natural History, is located in Helsinki, and no one is sure how the spider, native to the south and Central America, came to the museum. Somebody carried it upon their clothes and didn't realize it, and that's how that happened. Actually, Number 39, the family of a 13-year-old Chris Kirkland made a bet that one day their son would play for Team England with a bookie giving them 100 to 1 odds. The bet paid off in 2006 when the goalkeeper played for England in a match against Greece with the family making $10,000. Hell yeah. Um, puppy Pregnancy Syndrome is a psychosomatic illness found only in parts of India where individuals who have been bitten by a dog believe that a puppy is conceived in their abdomen suffers often sufferers often report seeing the puppy in their reflection or hearing it growl in their belly. No, sir, you just got possessed by a demon. That's what that- ma'am. Ma'am. Whatever. (laughs) During World War I, up to 12 million letters a week were delivered to soldiers, many on the front line. Let's see. Before Shazam was an app, it was a telephone service which could call to identify a song. Which you could call to identify song. That's cool. Um, the caller would then get a text message with the song details. Um, 1972 diver Brett Gillum survived 325 foot ascent uh, with an empty oxygen tank after trying to save a colleague from attacking sharks. Um, that the video for Weird Al smells like Nirvana was shot in the same soundstage as the clip for Smells Like Teen Spirit and also used most of uh, the extras from the original, including the janitor that's featured in various scenes. <laughs> um, that's cool. Cheese has morphine-like, a morphine-like compound named Casomorphin. Alright. Uh, Let's see house termites did make it over to England but a 27-year government-funded program eradicated them in 2021. There are only 20 ancient lakes in the world with only three in North America. Nearly all are tectonic in origin. However, two are from meteorite craters. Okay, It took 20 20,000 hours of underwater repairs, but the United States managed to refloat a majority of the battleships sunk at Pearl Harbor, and um, recovered ships including the USS West Virginia, USS California, Tennessee, Maryland, and Pennsylvania all fought in the Philippines. Um, let's see. Nim, Nimsdai Persia climbed the 14 mountains that are above 8,000 meters in just six months. Uh, they told Nims, uh, this project was simply impossible, so he called it Project Possible. Um, while climbing oh my god, Kenchujunga? Kenjahunga? I don't know how you say that name. He was partying the night before, and He was hungover during the climb. Interesting. Did that work? Apparently it worked! Like, um... In 1933, yo-yos were banned in Syria because many locals, uh, superstitiously blamed the use of them... (laughs) ...for a severe drought? Wait, is that it? Oh my god, we're done! Okay. Thank you all for listening to me drone on. I know I can be boring sometimes. I feel like I'm boring sometimes on here. I apologize if I am, but thank you all for listening. I will see you in the trenches next time. Goodbye.